Hello, Mets Maniacs fans, and welcome to another episode of the Mets Maniacs podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Wilkes, along with co-host Mike Bresnak. We got another surprise episode for you based on the game last night, which was so incredible to watch as a Mets fan. You had an amazing come-from-behind victory with MVP status play from our right fielder in Michael Conforto. Me and Mike Bresnak take a dive into this, just go more in detail into this game. We think it's a great indicator and more emblematic of the Mets as a whole at this point in the season. Hopefully, we can ride out this momentum into the end of the year. Also, at the end of the podcast, we touch on Jacob deGrom and his race to win his third straight Cy Young Award. Uh, He's got the ERA right now. He's in first place with 1.69. Obviously, he makes his start tomorrow against the Blue Jays, September 11th, Friday. So it's going to be very important that he keeps his ERA down. Obviously, the strikeouts are going to come in with the stuff he's got this year. So he's incredible to watch. Hopefully, we can provide him with the win. But right now, I think he's in line to get that third consecutive Cy Young. Watch with us. It's a party. We have a great time. Um, We love you guys listening too. Again, I'll say it at the end of the show, but you can give us a follow at Mets Maniacs Pod on Twitter. That's at Mets Maniacs Pod on Twitter. Okay, guys, uh, I am going to give you with a quick ad break right now just to tell you about our uh, platform that makes this all possible. It's called Anchor. I'm also drinking this tea um, it's called Well-Rested Tea from Trader Joe's. Uh, my mom got it for me, actually, um, a couple months ago. It's really good. It's really good. Um, not an ad. I would love for them to send me some Well-Rested Tea, if that's possible. But um, yeah, if there's a Trader Joe's near you and you see this in like a blue packaging, go for it, man. It's really good for uh, Thursday nights for NFL kickoff. Okay, that's enough. I'll give you this ad. We're going to jump right into it. As always, thank you guys for listening. Stay cool. This call is being recorded. Mikey Bresnak. How you doing? What's going on, man? You know, just watching uh, NFL kickoff right now. Had that going a bit. Just watching the Chiefs and the Texans duke it out. How about yourself? Same here. Just, uh, you know, another day in paradise. Another day in paradise, baby. Yes, sirree. All right. Well, um, Mike, let's get into it. Um, to the listeners out there, you know, the last episode we put out, uh, me and Mike weren't in the best shape. Coming back from Labor Day weekend, it was a tough one on both of us. It was draining, but we're back now. We're ready to go, and we feel good. And so did the New York Mets, apparently, Mike. Um, the game yesterday, part of the reason, too, that we're releasing an episode early is out of the enthusiasm we have for the New York Mets, uh, in one of the games that I think was their best game all season. Um, I know I've been saying that a lot, but here I truly mean it. I think it a, you know, a game that meant so much for the rest of the year in 2020, coming off a really bad loss against the Orioles uh, the day before we lost 11-2, and that heart-wrenching loss against the Phillies before then when we lost 9-8. Really would feel like a nail in the coffin in the season if we got swept by the Orioles and dropped the game on Wednesday. Luckily, that did not happen, and me and Mike are going to dive into that uh, to give you all the details and everything that we saw. We're also going to touch on Jacob DeGrom for his start tomorrow, as obviously we had the off day today, Thursday, September 10th, to see if he can get that third Cy Young in a row. But, Mike, let's jump into the game yesterday. So, already set the tone, coming in after two very bad losses, really need the win, and then off the bat, Porcello's getting hit, 
He lets up two runs in the first inning. Granted, there's some weak contact there, but still it's not something that you want to see. It's, it seems like recently the Mets are always in a hole and their offense has to dig them out uh, from a deficit early on. So we're down 2-0. We head into the um, second inning, too. And, you know, there was just so much that happened in this game that I think it's good to document it chronologically. So we're going to pick more into the minutia and the nuance of inning to inning to show everything that went down in this game. And the most important factor in this game was Michael Conforto. He's an all-around complete player that we should definitely sign, uh, you know, get a contract extension and franchise for this team because he's a complete player. He's got the leadership. He's got the, you know, veteran experience now. He's been on the team on this is his fifth season. He, um, you know, he, he's proven that he's a great fielder and he's a great hitter now, too. He's a complete hitter. Power can go to the opposite field. He can hit for average. We're going to get all into that, but let's just take the game in its chronological flow, and we'll go from there. Mike, if you remember in the top of the second, you had Chance Cisco, you know, hit a line drive down the right field line to Conforto, and he was going for second base, and Conforto had a great throw to second where Cano made a great diving tag to get him out at second base. And I think that kind of set the tone for us, at least defensively, to say, like, Look, we had a terrible loss the night before, but we're not going down without a fight. You love to see that out of Conforto, who's made plenty of great throws this year. I've been very impressed by his defense. Obviously, he shined again later on in this game, but that's just one instance of where you saw him make an incredible play. You go to the bottom of the second, you get Dom Smith hitting the double down the line. Uh, Alonzo had a single, and then uh, another great sign from Jeff McNeil, he hit a bullet. Uh, to the right side, past the first baseman, and scored a run there, which is always great to see. Dom Smith came in to score, so now it's 2-1. You go to the third, and this is where Porcello got roughed up a bit, Mike. He let up three runs in the third inning. Um, not much to say there. I mean, he just got hit up. He let up four straight hits. Now the Orioles are up 5-1. And it just goes to the theme I've been talking about, the Mets having to play from behind. You know, a claw back getting into games, relying on their offense and their defense, like, again, they did in this game. It's not sustainable, but we were able to pull it out here. Um, you get the final box score for Porcello. He only pitched four innings, ten hits, gave up five earned runs. He didn't walk anybody, right? But his ERA for the years at 6.07, that's just not going to play. Anyways, you jump into the fourth for the Mets, and then, Mike, I'll have you – uh, go on from here uh, after the fourth, maybe if you, if you want to grab that. The Mets come up. We have two strikeouts in Dom Smith and Robbie Cano, don't you know? And then Pete Alonzo gets a single. Uh, he goes the other way, um, which is important to note. The first hit he had was kind of just an infield dribbler that he was able to beat out. Here, it's very scary and awesome once you see the Mets hitters becoming more patient. And this is a theme I'll touch on with Alonzo. McNeil and Jimenez in this game, even Conforto, is waiting on the pitch and going with where it's thrown. This is exactly what Pete did here. He had a right pull in the right field. When Pete started hitting with confidence the other way, it's always a great sign. McNeil, the next batter, does the same thing. Now, the ball was flying out of the ballpark tonight. Uh, McNeil waited on a pitch away, got it up in the air, and was able to you know, put enough strength on it, got probably some help with the wind, uh, pushing balls out and he hit another home run. This is the fourth straight game in which he homered. So, like I said before, he drove in the first run of the game on that RBI single that he ripped to right field, 
And then going the other way, waiting on that pitch, he hits a home run. He's driven in all three Mets runs. Biggest thing to note on him, yes, he's hitting for power, and yes, he's hitting for power to the opposite field. He just has more patience now. He's letting the ball come to him. I think you could see his frustration early on in the season when he wasn't hitting to the caliber that we know him to hit and that he expects to hit at. So now that it's coming together, he seems more mature, more put together, and it's it's a pleasure to watch. But, Mike, uh, why don't you walk us through the, the next couple of innings? Yeah, I think the most frustrating part about this Mets game, although it was a win, was every time the Mets scored, uh, the next half inning did give up something back to the Orioles, and that's what started at the top of the fifth. Jason Shreve uh, hit the, uh, gives up a solo shot to DJ Stewart, who's kind of killed the Mets. Uh, I know he's hurt in that first series we played in Baltimore, but he, the last two days he really uh, put a number on the Mets. Uh, Mets come back down in the bottom of the fifth. Conforto hits a home run. You have the uh, Robbie Cano hit a uh, have an RBI single. That's the nice part about what the Mets are doing right now. They are they're starting to hit in runners in scoring position. I mean. You couldn't expect the Mets to bat 200 with runners in scoring position the entire year. So the Mets make it a 6-5 game right there. Uh, then the top of the sixth inning was the big inning for the Mets defensive-wise. You have Jeff McNeil make a really nice play on a ball going towards foul territory uh, with Jared Hughes pitching. And then uh, Hughes loads the bases up, struggles with two outs. Two outs loads the bases up, and uh, Justin Wilson comes in. And that's where you see the incredible uh, Michael Conforto play on that ripped shot that was Albeit going to be a bases loaded, uh, bases clearing double. Uh, Conforto makes this outstanding play where it's like he's kind of bobbling the ball against the wall. A little bit of Willie Mays uh, over the shoulder kind of action there too. Absolutely incredible play. Kind of saves the game essentially. That game goes from being six five to nine five in a heartbeat if Conforto doesn't make that catch. Uh, then go to the bottom of the six, Andres Jimenez, who we've been raving about pretty much all year. The twenty one year old phenom who's made every play. He, Besides in that one Yankee game, he's made almost every play in the field. He's been very solid at the dish in terms of getting on base and being able to spark some rallies, stealing some bases. He hits his second home run, a nice opposite field shot himself, uh, ties the game at six. And the Mets kind of bullpen settles in a little bit. Uh, Familia didn't pitch a bad inning, actually. Uh, He did give up a walk, which is obviously his biggest issue, but... You bring up Pete Alonso, bottom of the eighth, clutch hitting. Pete Alonso kind of getting back into that groove of him being able to hit home runs and been able to hit for power ever since Todd Frazier came back into the lineup. And it's kind of been the Alonso McNeil show the last week and a half. McNeil, like you said, hit home runs in the last four games. McNeil also has an average up to 317. And I I think we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago when McNeil was battling that injury after making that phenomenal catch. Uh, and fouling the balls off his legs left and right. You can see his frustration, obviously. He's hitting about 250, 260 at the time, and he's been very hot ever since. He attributes it to uh, the uh, minor leaguer, uh, Pat Mosaic, uh, getting on FaceTime with him and being able to talk some uh, things through. But great team win for the Mets kind of shows that resilience that they've had all year where regardless of the uh, Orioles' kind of attempts to expand their lead, the Mets kind of close the gap, close the gap, close the gap, and then finally the bottom of the eighth. Uh, win the game and Edwin Diaz, low key third save of the year. Edwin Diaz has a 1.89 ERA, which is the most ridiculous mm. stat of all time. And if you look at Mets Twitter, you'd think he has right. a 5.5 ERA. Right. I, I I think too. Again, that kind of understates um, that ERA is understated there because he, he's come on a lot of situation where he's had inherited runners that he's allowed to score. Again, you know, I think 
you know, we overreact to some losses, but, you know, you got to give us credit as the fans too, because the blowups when they happen are very bad, but yeah, I mean, he came on, he gave up a hit. I think we were sweating a bit. Um, can't say enough about the Mets defense this game. You had Luis Guillorme on a sharp hit ground ball to the right dive and then midair on his spin as he's ranging to his left. He was kind of playing more in center in the shift, ranging to his left, and he spins over midair and then throws a strike to Dom Smith to complete the out. Um, just incredible play and good call for Rojas, too. I don't think Cano makes that play. Even Cano would look great at second base and I guess quicker than I'd expect him to be at his age, you know, especially making that dive that I mentioned in the top of the second to get that out. Um, but amazing play by Guillaume to get another out, uh, to let Diaz settle in and then get the pop out to end the game. I do want to talk about, you know, McNeil, Jimenez, Alonzo, even Conforto in this game. All these guys hit home runs and they all went with the pitch, right? So you had McNeil hit the first home run to the opposite field, that two-run homer. That ball was on the outside part of the plate. He went with it, was patient, sat back. You had Conforto, and he drilled his to more so center field, a little to the right, but that's exactly where the pitch was, too. You know, he's very um, poised at the plate now, very disciplined, and he just went with the pitch, and he hit an absolute shot, just a liner that got out of City Field in a hurry. Great to see. Jimenez, again, went the other way, waited on a pitch outside part of the plate, drove it to left field. And Alonzo, too, even though it wasn't, you know, more so right field, it was more center, he still went with the pitch and kept his hands back. So it's, it's awesome to see kind of all these Mets hitters at once becoming more disciplined hitters uh, instead of this pull, pull, pull mindset, you know, that uh, they, they might have had more so uh, earlier on in their careers. But great game to watch. Again, uh, Conforto really turning into a complete hitter. He's a guy that I want to touch on, too. Right now in the National League, He's tied for second for the leading batting average. You have Trey Turner in first with a 359 mark. And then he's tied with Solano uh, on the Giants with the 340 mark. And below him at fourth is Freddie Freeman. And guess who's number five? It's Dominic Smith. He's batting 328. So, uh, you know, it's great to see two best players in the top five for average. I feel like it's been forever since we've seen that, since the days of David Wright or Jose Reyes when he won that batting title. So, um, Conforto as well, too. He's got the second most hits in the National League. Trey Turner's got 60, and then he's right underneath Trey Turner with 55. The other people on that list, I just want to say, are Charlie Blackman, you know, who we thought could hit 400 this year, Manny Machado, and Fernando Tatis Jr. So uh, Michael Conforto right now, I know it's a shortened season. You know, he's very much a fringe MVP candidate. I don't think he'll win the MVP this year, but his numbers right now, like I just said, he's got eight home runs, too. Um, you know, he's, he's driven in 27 guys. He's scored 30 times. He, he's, his OPS is 990. He's putting up a great year. So I think this, you know, all points in the Mets' favor of signing this guy to a contract extension, which is so huge, Mike, when you posit that with the uh, new ownership change with Steve Cohen coming. Because beforehand, going into an offseason, you might have to think, okay, are we going to re-sign Conforto to a long-term deal or try to, you know, get a guy like Marcus Stroman or a pitcher long-term, excuse me, or somebody like Real Muto, you know, to sign that's going to cost a lot of money? You have Steve Cohen as your owner. There's a strong possibility we could do all three, depending how long we sign Conforto for. Um, obviously, all three of those guys. But 
you know, there's a chance that that could happen or get somebody a similar caliber, um, maybe to Stroman. I don't know if you'd find one with Rio Muto, but he's definitely a guy you want to resign. He's a complete player. He's made so many good plays in the outfield. Uh, really love him in right. Want to also say McNeil, the guy at the beginning of the year we might thought be the starting third baseman for the Mets. We didn't know what was going to happen with J.D. Davis uh, or really McNeil at second base. You know, you got to think the lineup and the positioning you saw last night is what we'd see moving forward in the Mets are in win-now mode. I think McNeil is your left fielder, your starting left fielder for the team and for the future. He plays an extremely good left field. Um, he had that great diving catch tonight. Mike, as you touched on, he got banged up earlier in the season because he made an amazing play running into the wall, and he held on to the ball uh, to save a run earlier on. He's a very good left fielder. Um, so right now, just to recap for you guys in this game, you had Nimmo leading off in center field. Conforto about second. He's playing right. J.D. Davis at third. J.D. is cooled off as of late, but we know what he can do when he's hot. I think you keep him in there, and he's the clear-cut third baseman. He shined at, uh, at third base this year. He's made some good plays, and he obviously has that incredible arm. So I think we keep him there. Dom Smith played first, batted fourth. I think we'll continue to see that. Uh, Cano is at second base. We brought in Guillaume late as a defensive specialist. I think that would happen down the road. I think this is a perfect example of a game that we play, like, you know, in the postseason, especially because that's where our head's at. It's been the stretch all year, but now is this serious crunch time of the season. Uh, you have Alonzo batting six. He's de-aging for the team. I think we're all in agreement that that's the move there. Uh, Dom Smith's the better fielding first baseman. You just can't take any chances in these last couple of weeks of play. Uh, McNeil, bat seventh. He's in left field. And you got Jimenez, who's just the better shortstop than Rosario. Uh, he's in there batting eighth. And Chirinos, the better defensive catcher than Ramos, batting ninth. Mike, let me ask you, what do you do with Rosario, and what do you do at the catcher position right now if you're the New York Mets? <laughs> right now, I don't, I don't know if you really do anything. Uh, it's kind of tough to say for Ahmed, Ahmed Rosario, but he's clearly being outplayed by Andres Jimenez. And it's not even just like – it's not even really up for interpretation. It's all facets of the game. Uh, Jimenez has been able to take pitches – have better at bats. He's hitting for better average. He's making better plays in the field. He's more of a threat on the base pass than Rosario is. And he's a lefty batter. So you kind of add that another lefty righty, uh, kind of, uh, another lefty bat to the lineup, which is obviously huge. Uh, as for catcher, I mean, Ramos is, I think we've seen probably two or three games where Ramos's defense has literally cost us wins. Uh, so I think you have to go with the defensively sound catcher. And we've talked about this a couple of times now. I think the Mets have a good enough offensive lineup where you can slack a little bit in the catcher position because the other eight hitters are going to be able to pick you up. Uh, and I think you've got to go with the better defensive catcher just because I think at the end of the day, that's what's been killing the Mets this season, whether it was the pass ball led by Batantis or the lack of the tags uh, – against the Yankees and against the Phillies. It's something that's been a huge problem the entire year. And it's not like Ramos's bat has been, like, saving the Mets either. Ramos hasn't really been hitting that well this year either. Uh, you trade for Trinos. Maybe you consider Trinos an option next year when Ramos is a free agent. So I think you've got to let him play. You've got to let him mesh with the team. I do want to touch on a couple of things you were saying, though, about uh, especially the young Mets going the opposite way, whether it was uh, McNeil, Alonzo, Jimenez, Conforto. We're kind of 
forgetting that all these guys are like 25, 26, 27, Jimenez is 21. They're super, super young guys. And I know Conforto feels like he's been on the team forever, especially since he was on that uh, 2015 team that made it to the World Series. But he's only been in the MLB for like five years. And he was a lot of the times he was kind of overshadowed by either Jay Bruce or Johannes Cespedes. as he wasn't the main option. And I feel like Michael Conforto is finally feeling himself in the Mets uniform right now, whether it be defensively like we saw the other day, offensively, like you mentioned, he's been absolutely killing it. And he's kind of become one of the faces of the franchise in the sense that he's a teammate everybody can rely on. So you don't win world – good teams re-sign their homegrown talent, and I think the Mets have to re-sign Michael Conforto. He's done everything this year to prove that he's a worthy uh, right fielder for this team going forward. And I'm excited to have him. I think he's really kind of hit his the prime of his career right now, especially hitting the way he's hitting. It's absolutely incredible to watch the transformation he's made over the last five years, and I'm just happy that he's happy to be with the Mets. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think as another team coming up to face this Mets lineup, I mean, uh, you know, we're hitting so well currently that McNeil got in spot. You're pitching well, you get to the bottom of the Mets lineup. You got to face Alonzo, then McNeil, then Jimenez. Chirinos is really the only guy who's not, not a hitter that you can get out. But, you know, I take that trade off for his defense. I think, you know, um, you, you touched on it, too. I, I think it was perfect that I don't think we can afford Ramos to make any more mistakes, especially how close these games have been going. And because more so than ever, you know, our pitchers are going to let people on. There's going to be more contentious plays, more plays at the plate than there was in prior years because our pitching was so shut down that we need somebody behind the plate who can not only field those balls better, make better tags more cleanly, but can even frame better and who's just more agile back there to block balls that won't get by them because there's most likely going to be more guys on base, you know, just because our pitching staff is worse. We're not striking out guys. There's going to be people on. you got Porcello up who's just, you know, allowing more hits. That's just going to be the nature of it. Um, so it's, I, I think this is kind of the best lineup we can put out. And though, you know, it, it does, I do feel, you know, I, I'd love to see Rosario out there. I'd love to see him develop, but at this point you got to go with the hot hand. And I think Jimenez, um, just trumps him in all aspects right now, hitting, fielding. Um, yeah, I, I think he's your guy. He's faster, right? So he can actually steal bases. Even though he, you know, got his first call stealing in today's game, he's he's been stealing bases for the club. Really, only one of our only stolen uh, or, or base stealing threats, along with Marisnik and, and Hamilton, or now just Marisnik. So definitely think you you keep him out there. But anyways. Anything else on this game? I'd like to start talking about Jacob deGrom and his start tomorrow. Uh, yeah, real quick, I just wanted to touch on uh, Porcello. Obviously, Porcello's start not ideal, uh, only going four innings. But <laughs> it's it sounds pretty – it sounds weird to say, but I actually like that start out of him in the sense that his, he wasn't beating around the bush. He wasn't walking guys. He wasn't giving up free passes. He got hit. The other teams beat him. But I'd rather see that 100 times out of 100 than see him walk four bat, give up five hits, walk four batters, and give up five runs. Uh, obviously, you want to see him go more than four innings, but it's a start that I'm not completely upset about. He just got shelled, and there's really nothing you can do about it. The Orioles were just better than him at that. Yeah, you know, Mike, I actually agree with you there. I think that's a good point I didn't think about before, because take him in comparison to somebody like Robert Giselman, right, that we know now is out with a fractured rib he's done for the year. He would come on and he'd have had a rough start, kind of in the same sense that Porcello would, but he couldn't get out of it. You know, he'd go one and two thirds, you know, or maybe two innings. He 
didn't give us anything. The fact that Porcello gave us four, I think, is manageable. You know, we can work with that. But when you're a starting pitcher and you go out and give your team one and two-thirds, I mean, that's very, very difficult, you know, and just stresses the bullpen. And it has an effect down the road for, you know, uh, the rest of the games you play, which is especially more important in a year where there's not as many off days, you know. So I think that's a good point. Leave him out there as a workhorse. Um, Yeah, you know, he gave up five earned over four. It wasn't a good start, but he at least – made it possible for the Mets to come back, which we did. So, um, yeah, good take. So let's jump from Porcello and just keeping a handle on things to somebody we don't talk to that about in Jacob deGrom. Um, He's making a start tomorrow against the Blue Jays. Uh, Obviously, he's going for a third Cy Young. And, you know, he looks great this year. Read his stats. He's only got three wins. He's three and one. But right now he is pitching to a 1.69 ERA, and he also has 70 strikeouts. Both of those metrics are good for first in the National League. So this is a very important start because, you know, one bad start where you blow up could really cost you the Cy Young at this point. You Darvish used to be in the lead. I think going into his start, I believe it was yesterday, yes, Wednesday, I believe, he had a 1-4-4 ERA or somewhere around there. He let up a three-run homer in the first. I think he still won seven, struck out ten. But even that three-run homer was enough uh, to push him back a bit. Um, Mike, what do you think the chances are DeGrom has to repeat? And who do you think the biggest competitors are this year in the National League? Uh, I think the chances are probably – I give him a – 40% chance to repeat. I think the biggest competitors are going to be you, Darvish, who's got that seven-win total, which in a season where he's probably going to make 10, 12 starts, seven wins already is kind of huge, where he's won half of his starts. Not even the team's won it. Darvish has been the pitcher of record to win it, which sucks because the Grom's kind of – that's the Mets have kind of screwed the Grom twice with that, I believe, where he's left with the, uh, with the decision that was going to be the win of the Mets bullpen blew it. Uh, and the second guy I think that's going to be huge, uh, a, a tough task to overcome, is going to be Max Fried. And it's because I think Max Fried's also been very successful. Fried right now has got a 1.98 ERA. Uh, his strikeout numbers are pretty good as well. But the thing I think is Fried's going to be a part of a team with the Atlanta Braves that's going to make a deep run into the playoffs. And I know that like it's a regular season award, but I do think that I think it's going to be hard to discount Max Fried, who pitches really well in the beginning of the season, kind of shoulders a load that Mike Soroka was supposed to take. Uh, Soroka being the ace, supposedly being the ace of that staff, and he just goes down with an injury. Fried steps in, pitches really well, wins a bunch of games too. He's got six wins right now. Uh, he leads. He currently leads all of baseball, I believe, in uh, wins above replacement, which is a huge stat in the sense in uh, the Cy Young sense. And he's just been he he's somebody I think is going to, who could. Uh, give DeGrom's, DeGrom problems at the end of the day. DeGrom, I think DeGrom needs to kind of lower his ERA below that 1.5 mark, have at least a 0. 0.3 to 0. 0.5 ERA advantage over the second-place second, second uh, place guy before I think he's kind of a lock to win it. Right now, I think if the season ends today, I don't, I don't think DeGrom would actually win it. Right. I think, too, um, you know, just, just to make another note, one I misspoke on those strikeouts – I mean, he, he was the highest, and he should be the highest after his start. He's one behind a lot of pitchers because of that missed start he had uh, earlier in the season when he was supposed to pitch in that doubleheader against the Yankees. But uh, he's got 70 strikeouts, and you Darvish is in the lead with 72. And then Trevor Bauer 
has 71. And, and Bauer's a real candidate, too, I think. You know, uh, looking at the race right now, he touched on you, Darvish, Max Fried. I think Bauer's firmly in the running there, too. Can't forget him. He's got a 1.740 ERA. He struck out 71 batters. Uh, the most impressive stat with Bauer, though, which is something else that I look at, you know, when going into the side of the Cy Young should be, is his whip. He has a whip right now of .79. That's the best in the National League. You Darvish and Jake DeGrom are actually tied at .88. So I think DeGrom really just needs to have more shutdown innings and just not allow any walks or hits. Uh, but, you know, that's entirely possible um, for a guy of his caliber. I think, too, you know, he's he's been getting more swings and misses than I've seen. And if you also look at strikeouts per nine innings, Jake's first with 13.1. Um, so it just goes to show, too, you know, he doesn't have as many starts uh, under his belt. So after tomorrow, he should reclaim the lead in strikeouts. And I think you're right. The magic number be around 1.5 for that ERA. I think he has a serious shot to repeat because I think the strikeouts are going to be there. So if he can keep that ERA down near 1.5 and lead the league in strikeouts, right, Ks per nine as well, and have his whip be in the top three, I think this has to go to him again. You know, so it'll be very interesting to see him down the stretch. I don't actually have, which I should, you know, how it maps out. I can see right now he should only have, you know, a couple more starts, including tomorrow for the rest of the year, uh, who he's going to play. So let me see if I can – See that right now. He's got the Blue Jays tomorrow, uh, 9-11. Yeah, and then he could get the – it's because the Mets have an off day Monday, 9-14, so it depends on how they want to play that, go in the rotation, or just, you know, use that as an off day to repeat DeGrom. Uh, if they didn't use that as an off day, I think he only has three more left. Where he gets the Phillies, the Rays. Oh, and then he gets the Nationals. So that's probably how it's going to go. He's going to pitch against the Jays tomorrow, right? That's one start. The Phillies, his next start. Uh, and then he'll pitch against the Tampa Bay Rays and then the Nationals. So that's four starts, all against all against pretty good hitting teams, honestly. Even the Nationals, who haven't had a good year, you know, they have some dangerous hitters on that lineup. So it's not going to be easy, but DeGrom is the best, honestly, when he's under pressure, when he's under stress. So I got a lot of confidence in him. I think he can take home the hardware again for his third straight year, which would be phenomenal. Um, can't wait to try to see it happen. Uh, also, too, if we want to just touch on the standings real quick, the win yesterday is big for us. We're still in fourth place. We're 20 and 24 right now. We're two games back in the wild card. So, you know, it's definitely possible. We just need – we seriously just need to start winning – uh, mostly every game. And with the energy we played last night, I think it puts us on a good uh, you know, note moving forward. I think momentum is on our side. Mike, anything else you want to touch on to Grom-wise or Mets? Yeah, I think we're 20-24 right now, 16 games left. I think we need to win 11 of them at least in order to make the playoffs. Right. Again, the schedule is not easy. But this team is this team is really good. I mean, obviously the crux and the Achilles heel is the pitching, not just the starting pitching, but the bullpen. But if we can figure it out, especially on the starting side, to lengthen them, maybe give the bullpen a rest. Uh, hopefully that can kind of cycle, and there's a positive feedback loop with a uh, you know better rested bullpen. We can get more wins. Um, 
we'll see what happens. Our opponents for the rest of the year now, we got a three-game set against the Blue Jays, and then a three-game set against the Phillies, three-game set against the Braves, three against the Rays, and we end with four against the Nationals, the last game being September 27th. So we're really coming down to the final stretch run there. What is that? That's 16 games left. Um, wow. <laughs> it comes up quick on you. But, you know, it, it's truly been fun covering the Mets so far this year. Hopefully we can keep the momentum going. Other than that, Mike, anything before I start to sign us off? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. Cool. Well, uh, you guys know the drill. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll get back to you sometime in the next week. Check out Twitter. Subscribe to us. You can give us a follow. At I'm your host, I will. You got my friend.